When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. DC Cab. They've got plans. Where to, baby? Nowhere with you. And they care. You charge Mr. and Mrs. Tomato $195. They had a lot of luggage. Two. This company is closed, pending further investigation. Make an investment in DC Cab. If I wanted responsibility, I'd have been a damn sex surrogate. Fasten your seatbelt. Because they're back on the street. DC Cab. Hello, welcome along to a special Patreon edition of The Worst Study of All Time with your friends Tim and Guy. Come Tim. on in, put your hat on the rack, take your coat off. Welcome to the Patreon Palace, where you are our Patreon pal. That's right. Uh, and this week, this day, this month, this year, we watched uh, the 1983 comedy action film... DC Cab that was renamed Street Fleet in some of its releases. Um, the tale of a hapless group of cabbies in a rundown cab company owned by Harold. Albert comes to town with a dream of starting his own cab company, but needs to motivate Harold's employees to want to make something out of themselves. It's only when Albert is kidnapped that the cabbies must decide whether or not they are loyal to Albert and his cause. That's from IMDb user Josh Paznak. Um, I don't know how this movie made it to the top of the pile, but I'll say this. I'm very glad it did. Yeah, same. You absolute fucking legends. Anytime you want to come to New Zealand, I'll buy you a beer. If you're in the Patreon club, solely for you picking DC cabs for us to watch. I had a rollicking good time watching this in bed this morning. Rollicking good time. Oh, that's so nice to hear. It's really like it's it's a movie of a different era. And uh, it's also a movie of a different genre from what you and I traditionally deal in together. Like, it was just so simple, low stakes, but competently done. Like it's you, you know who made it? No. Joel Schumacher, who you might remember from um, a director's commentary where we were joined by him as the director of uh, Batman and Robin. He both wrote and directed this film. Oh, wow. Yeah. The guy's a fucking lunatic, but I love him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
no i didn't i didn't put that together at all like it's i don't know this is the sort of movie that i would have i wasn't alive at the time but happily go and see at the cinema uh and like just know that you know it, 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 to me it's the this is this is a pure distillation of what going to the movies is where yeah. i don't have to worry about investing myself in the story too much i don't have to think about the world like it, it is pure escapism and um it's yeah like it, it's obviously it's not flawless but you've got a lot of different characters you've got uh, a lot of people having fun you've got a pretty flimsy story that kind of has enough component parts to keep moving and uh like that was honestly in anticipation of talking to you after watching a movie one of the most painless experiences i can recall <laughs> yeah man it was like a soothing balm in the middle of this season of worst it- idea of all time it was Absolutely. so lovely. And very importantly, and I'm sure you will back this up, the soundtrack was shit hot from woe to go. It was so good. Yeah, it was really um it, it was of the it was of the era. Like it it was sort of a uh it was just like eighties pop, really, wasn't it? Yeah, but it was like there was a lot of synth. There was sort of um, there was kind of uh, hints of hip hop in there. There was a bit of funk, a bit of soul. It was choice. I dug it a lot. Um, so this movie, I, I had no idea what to expect uh, when I turned it on. I didn't know what the Patreon pals, you were our good, dear, beautiful, lovely supporters, had provided to us. Sometimes you provide us with nourishment and sometimes poison. So when this started kicking off, the first thing that I was thrilled to see, one hour, 40 minute duration. Oh, we. Thank you. Thank you so much. And then... I start seeing all of these cast members pop up, and I'm like, holy hell. First of all, we've got Gary Busey in the role of a lifetime, just screaming every 20 minutes or so into a camera that's near him. Gary Busey, I don't think I've ever seen him in a movie before. I think I only know about him from his, like, late in life um, sort of apprentice zone. He was in um, Lethal Weapon, and also from memory... uh, point break like but i because I, I i feel like he sort of disappeared for a while and i i again like i only know a little bit of his mythos but it felt like he sort of went off the rails am i correct in thinking that i think that that might be true and how could it not be this was made in 1983 and he looked like an old crazy man in this but then he was like on the apprentice quite recently only a couple of years ago i think yeah, he. Uh, I felt like he was almost playing himself in this film. Like it felt like I think he did a lot of cocaine at one point, and to me, it felt like he was sort of doing his takes in between having a pretty good time in his trailer. Which is, uh, I got to be honest, kind of. It's it, it's not cool to ruin yourself on cocaine, but it is kind of cool to watch someone in a film doing that. It's uh, yeah. it's interesting. It brings a lot of energy, and uh, <laughs> at the risk of endangering some actors, you know, I'm kind of for it. Would you describe this as an ensemble cast? I mean, <laughs> that's a good question because when you say ensemble cast, I think of something like Arrested Development, where there's a lot of craftsmen at the table who are each bringing their unique bit of artistry to weave into a tapestry. This was like, here's kind of a clusterfuck of people who you know um but you'll be surprised at what they're doing and why they're here bill ma is in this film and yeah i know i i clicked on that about halfway through i was like i know that voice i think i know that face it doesn't He's, look like him eh? but the voice is the thing that gives him away 
well, the role wasn't a huge stretch. He was sort of just playing, you know, Bill Maher as yeah. though he was a cab driver. Yeah. Uh, Mr. T, lest we, lest we forget, probably well, I don't know. Who, I don't know what the the you know the billing was or who the stars were at the time, but he surely I think must have been pretty to- a top shelf get. Mr. The T, movie. Mr. T set, sold this movie. I've got no doubt in my mind. I'm not basing that on anything more than just like my gut instinct, but um, he's you, not in the film that much. To be yeah, honest, if you look at if you look at the promotional poster, it's Mr. T like writ large standing above the the capitol building in washington dc holding a cab door that says dc cab so he was obviously a big marketing vehicle uh and he like he kind of is just doing his mr t shtick at one point towards the end of the movie when they're dealing with these kidnappers they kind of misuse him in a very like large and comical fashion so it's like towards the very end of the movie when the, the 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 cab drivers are rallying together to recover Albert from these kidnappers who kind of arrive out of nowhere, I thought, and he's on top of a building behind the two kidnappers and you see him like put his arms up to make his body large and jump down as though he's going to clothesline or eliminate two of the kidnappers immediately. But instead he kind of just lands behind them and then doesn't physically touch either of them at all and just gets into one of those sort of, you know, those standoffs, like uh, yeah. it looks like cap- capoeira, like... Eddie, Eddie Gordo from Tekken except that one has like, a gun pointed at him yeah, yeah but I'm like he's so he's so high up and like they made such a big song like you've got this action hero you've got this physically intimidating person and then the whole application of like the climax of the movie was just sort of his physicality and presence was vaguely threatening they didn't actually but use it this is what i love about this film and this era of film because everything has to be kind of done in real life there wasn't a lot of effects there i don't know it didn't seem to me there were a ton of stunt people performing these things we see mr t and these big burly brothers um crash through some fake windows to great comic effect when they um enter the wrong house and just bust into this innocent farm couple's yeah, that's true. home while they're having dinner. That this is what I there's a grittiness to this film and, and it's a common it's not just unique to this film, but it's like films of this era. Everything just feels really real. It's like way less shiny than the films we get now. Everyone's jumping on cars and shit. The cars all I mean, they were dressed to look completely beat up. But they're genuinely fucked. Like, the cabs that they're rolling around in, you know, they look like they might have been dragged by something because they don't work anymore. And it was yeah. just kind of cool. It's cool to see so much imperfection in films because you don't yeah. really get that as much anymore with the movies it, I'm seeing at the cinema. There's too much money it, it, involved. It, yeah, it kind of felt like a student movie with a decent budget. Like, also in terms of the way they distributed the story, like... Everyone, everyone's characters kind of got a bite of the apple. Like I was never, I was never invested all the way in the story, but I was also never totally disengaged. Like they're throwing enough stuff at you that you're sort of like, yeah, okay. Let's you know, get into to- some of the journeys, actually, shall we? We're sort of talking around them. So, can I just kick off with Mister T? What he's there to do? Yes. So, 1983. This would have been well. I, I, I imagine this must have been around the peak of the A team. Um, for him to be the the prominent sort of promotional um, vehicle for this, getting out in the cinemas. And he's just there to do his whole I keep kids off drugs thing, which is what, like, 
80% of his career was, I think. And so there's this guy who seems to be maybe a pimp, but definitely a drug dealer. And he's got a real flash car. And there's a couple scenes where there's high school age kids who just flock to this guy to hang around his cool, shiny car. And Mr. T is a cab driver for this company called DC Cabs, which the whole movie's about. And uh, while he's doing his runs, he periodically goes and visits his niece, who is sort of caught up in, in all of this. And he's just desperately trying to get all these kids to stop paying attention to this drug dealer with a cool car. And that's kind of his whole thing for the film would i be right in saying that that, that's about it yeah he's it's he's kind of it's moral core like the 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 cabbies with whom he hangs out they've all got solid gold hearts but you know some they're pretty uh derelict and debaucherous but he's sort of he also like is some sort of leader leader figure i think probably because i mean it feels like even in the movie part of it's because of his celebrity celebrity stature and also his physical stature but like you know when albert who is i would guess the protagonist of the movie tries to rally everyone together around this failing cab company he it's his voice he's the first one to come over and say i stand with albert like i'm 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 in on this and that kind of motivates a lot of the other characters to to go with him but he like it it, it kind of feels like yeah he was like well if i'm going to do this movie i'm going to impress my messages inside of it as well it's kind of it's interesting that eh? that it was pretty awesome of mr t to just dedicate his entire life to that like all the celebrity and shit was basically him popping up in different pop culture franchises and going hey remember stop telling drugs i know you just saw me pop up in the teenage mutant ninja turtles but here i am in real life in a different movie probably not for the target demo that i'm trying to reach right now I hope you haven't picked up that crack pipe, you kids. You put it down. Uh, would you like to guess how old do you think Mr. T is now? I'm going to say he is 68. Far out. That's a pretty sound guess. He's actually 66. Fuck, I was pretty close. He's got a cool story about why he calls himself Mr. T, and I can't remember. Are you looking on his wiki at the moment? Yeah, I am. I don't know if it'll uh, even be there. It's more like a fun fact than something you put on a Wikipedia page for someone. Um, by the way, this film was made on the princely budget of $7 million. And uh, from memory, I looked up on IMDb before, I think it made like 17 something like that. So it made money, but not like a staggering amount. Yeah, it was it, it just to me, it feels it feels perfectly of its era. So I, I guess the, the lead, the guy with whom, you know, we're, we're, we're sort of meant to be uh, walking in- with through the film yeah we're introduced Al- through him is albert hockenberry who is uh I, I i don't quite know i i sort of was uh just checking in at the start of the movie like wh- where does he appear from because he moves so, to dc was he yeah. in the army he's no no so he's from the south i can't remember exactly they i think they do so maybe tennessee or something and so his father has just died so I think the guy who owns the DC cab company, Harold, was in the, his was in the army un- with his father. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, because Harold Harold's a fucking legend. He's the guy who has this motley crew. He's the guy who owns the He's DC. He's the cab owner company. of the D- of DC cabs. He's and also, he takes an Albert on arrival in DC. He does. And he's very sweet. He's he's the new father figure for Albert. Albert's like probably 20 years old. But the other thing that Harold owns is a flamethrower, which comes up a few times in the film, which is very cool. 
Um, yeah. So Albert enters. His dad's died, um, but he's like an adult. He's a young adult, so it's it's you know it's sad, but it's not too sad. He has with him some money, which is later revealed to be six grand to um, from inheritance to get himself started, and a pair of boots that are slightly too big from his pops, and he just like for some reason has an absolute dream to drive cabs like the guy is so fucking driven to be a cab driver and the like a big part of the movie is just him constantly bothering the guys who work at dc cabs who do not enjoy their jobs um to to do ride-alongs with them so he can learn the job really well they the the these sort of disgruntled disheveled cab drivers for DC cabs. I mean, admittedly, they're working for a pretty ragtag company, but they all are sort of we we are to believe that they have dreams beyond cab driving. But the particulars of those dreams are never really spelled out. We just know that they're not entirely happy with their jobs, which is mind boggling to Albert, who's like, "No, what this if I paradise. told you that this is the dream that you are fulfilling your potential that this this is a realization of what you want to do?" And everyone's sort of unsure. But then I guess because it's halfway through the movie and they've got nothing else on their plates, they all kind of are like, well, yeah, we better actually put our elbows into this because otherwise what are we going to do? Yeah. So he, yeah, he, he, he's sort of this, uh, I found him immensely likable, by the way. There's something about his face, which is... And he's a Baldwin, but then I looked him up. He's not a Baldwin brother. Just He's con- not. Con- he's an off-brand con- Baldwin. Yeah. He's uh, confusingly... So the, the he's played by Adam Baldwin of the same era as the famous Baldwins and a similar sounding name, but an entirely different clan. He is um, in Serenity, which I'm sure some people have seen. Um, very good series that was cut in its prime. And he's, yeah, he's in a whole bunch of stuff. But he's a young man in this. It's freaky seeing photos of him now because he's obviously middle-aged. Um, but he's a handsome, charismatic young dude uh, who just wants to drive a goddamn cab. Why won't someone let him drive a cab? And that DC, is genuinely all he wants. In the early 80s, is this highly regulated market, so he's got to um, get his licenses a lot about the, the... It's called the hack department, right? The, like, governing body that looks after them? Yeah. Because the baddie, the, like, equivalent of the dean of these naughty students, is the guy who's in charge of the hack department from the government, and uh, he, he takes away their license and stuff. There's a few big um, incidents that happen. So, one... Um, old mate Albert comes and arrives and he wants to learn how to, he's so driven to drive. He just wants to drive. And, um, so we, we play around with that for a little bit. Uh, we meet, um, some cool people. There's Tyrone, who's this, um, what, how would you describe Tyrone? He's, he's, oh, he's an, he's an, intel- he, he's an intelligent young man who sort of is deliberately plays up his craziness to the people around him. I think to try and like protect himself i guess like he, yeah he is honestly he's almost the conscience of the film like for the the film is uh not all parts of it have aged brilliantly but he is a character who kind of almost speaks truth to power as a as a, a black man in washington dc in the 80s who's like he represents uh a viewpoint which kind of still seems relevant today i totally thought. like yeah very, i agree very prescient bit of characterization and also, the it's just kind of sad how little things have changed, I guess, as well. It's a reminder of that. But he's kind of, he's he's perturbed, but sort of accepts the fact that he's, you know, um, working for a white dude in kind of a white man society in New York, and uh, sorry, in Washington, D.C. Gary Busey goes on, like, this, um, this really... Uh, 
um, unhinged racist rant about how there's so many black people, black Americans in the US Army now that they're going to take over the country. And you kind of like, he spins off into it and you kind of get to the end, you're like, yeah, fucking, yeah, I get it. Fair enough. They've been, <laughs> there's all of these a whole class of people in America who have been underserved by the society for ages and now they've got access to weapons. That seems like maybe that's what should happen. I I honestly think that the that what he outlined as a like as a movie would have been a pretty interesting... I mean, obviously, they just didn't have the time. They sort of yeah. went with the guy who loves driving cabs angle and said, and all power to them. But, uh, yeah. Joel, Joel Schumacher would have been the guy to make that movie too. Like a kind of exploitation movie, that sort of style of just... A whole, a whole thousands, tens of thousands, the whole section of the African-American part of the armed services uniting and overthrowing America in some sort of egalitarian yeah. overthrow. Would have been mean. But so Gary Busey, this is why I kind of felt like Gary Busey was uh, channeling some of his own self <laughs> because he'd yeah. sort of go on these crazy unhinged rants that had threads of truth and you'd be like, all right, Gary Busey. Uh, <laughs> But so yeah, and there's there's other there's these two muscular muscle men cab drivers who I thought was a really funny gag. Their their cab is broken and it can only drive in reverse. It's a great so gag. When, it's when you good. first do a drive around with them, like you just hear all these sort of ADR <laughs> off camera voices going out. You're going backwards, you idiot! Like everyone yelling at these guys, and they're sort of going, "Hey, we're driving into the shop. Our car's broken." Uh, and it's just good silly fun. It really, there's so many quick gags in this there's like hundreds of lots of little jokes and a lot of them are done in adr people just yelling off camera it's yeah it's really nice it just carry carries you through i actually i i wrote down my top three quite like there was some but funny just, little like before you move evergreen on from the brothers, turns of phrase oh yeah, before, yeah sorry before you move on from the brothers sorry did you get the sense they might have been wrestlers yes awesome. and do you know i don't know that they were because I looked them up and I, there was nothing about them wrestling. They were bodybuilders and they had a movie together called The Barbarians. I think they're the Barbarian Brothers. Correct. Yeah. I saw that in the credits when the credits rolled. They're the Barbarian Brothers. And so brothers. The, the movie The Barbarians, which I mean, it could be even just as an extracurricular watch, uh, is a 1987 sword and sorcery film. <laughs> um, I mean. I, I don't know the particulars like because their surname is Barbarian and the movie's called The Barbarian Brothers. So it's one of those movies I think that sort of treads a very confusing and fine line between uh fiction and non-fiction but like they're and they're not particularly strong performers but they're fun guys to be around yeah they're big meatheads um every film needs some big meatheads although yeah. pretty much everyone's so a big meathead in this quality sleep is essential that's why the sleep number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, Tim, you know I'm a huge advocate for hiring an objective, professional, licensed professional to tell my problems to so that when they tell me what they think, I know I'm getting it straight. That's where BetterHelp comes in. That's right. BetterHelp have a big pile of professionals to talk to at your convenience online. You've done a bit of therapy, right, Guy? I started doing therapy during, uh, there was a pandemic, I don't know if you remember, and the benefits were immediate and long-lasting. They help give you skills that you can use when you are in stressful or anxious situations. Honestly, it's changed my life for the better. I guess that's why they call it BetterHelp. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash all time today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash all time. You've got, you've got a few other drivers. You've got this very exhausted and uh, put upon the sole woman who works at the at DC cabs and she's... Uh, she's tired of working for them. She's tired of being mugged. But like all these kind of threads, I don't know, like it, it felt like there were quite, a, there was quite, it was like a Rube Goldberg machine in terms of telling a very simple story. Cause this, they, it like, which is part of what made it feel like it, you know, the movie kept going, like kept yeah. going, like the pace was all right. Because yeah. once they created and resolved one bit of conflict, they'd immediately move into another. So exactly. And, and establishing that DC cabs are a, a shitty kick around cab company, you, you then meet Emerald Cabs, who are like the, you know, they're the classic, uh, they're the flash version of it, and they're the bullies. They're the foils. They love, yeah, yeah, they're the yeah, assholes they love- in this film. It's it's like I, I don't know. Maybe our bar is so phenomenally low because we're in the middle of watching Sex in the City um, fifty two times, but it, it it did it seemed like for as many characters as we got thrown at. Uh, who were on screen you could tell everyone had somewhere to go like everyone had some sort of motivation and everyone was kind of mm. fun to hang out with like everyone was bringing a little something yeah, um, yeah. they're all very charismatic I think, characters I, I i do yeah i think we definitely uh probably not quite seeing the movie <laughs> as it was made yes. uh, but that is you know just a byproduct of what what we do to ourselves there's also just before you do your quotes um a couple of ancillary or not so as the plot progressed characters that were really cool as well there's a guy called bongo who basically has like four lines in the whole movie but he is sort of made out to be like um quite a like rasta dude isn't he isn't that his vibe yeah yeah what does he get asked he gets asked about he goes he wants to do a drive around he goes i drive around so you can tell me about jamaica and kingston and he's like I'm from Cleveland. <laughs> good gag. Um, Fucking good gag. And then there's Mr. Rhythm. Gag. Mr. Rhythm is yeah. a borderline uh, homeless dude, I think. Does he work for them? 
Yeah, it's hard to know exactly how he fits in, but uh, he had one of my favourite lines. Um, so th- th- these are all delivered by different people at different times in the movie, but there were three like evergreen lines that I thought were funny. The, f- the third one was um, when they get into an argument with Emerald Cabs at the diner. Yeah. And uh, in response to a put down, one of the people for DC Cabs says, come here, fuck face. Come here. <laughs> and fuck face is just funny. It always is. It's uh, timeless. It's a timeless it's insult. It's really good. The the uh, the second one was uh, towards the end of the movie when the 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 kidnappers. So I, I don't quite know where these characters come from, but these kidnappers could kidnap, kidnap uh, this, this diplomat's children. It's in DC, so there are diplomats yeah. crawling all over the background of this film. Uh, none of them are walking. It's crazy. Uh, Oh, hold on, I've just got to reject a phone call. Sorry, Tim. I'm getting oh, that's, I thought you were literally pausing for laughter from that lukewarm no, gag. No, no, no. no. I, uh, my phone started ringing. Um, but so, uh, oh yeah. So the the the, the kidnappers take them. And there's this one of the kidnappers is a woman, and uh, she is sort of saying a threat. Or she's saying we should kill the kids who are doing really bad acting because they don't look scared at all. But you would be if a woman with a gun under your chin was saying we should kill these kids. But one of the kids is so nonplussed by this, she actually says, uh, you are a pitiful bitch. <laughs> it's so good because the girl's like six. Yeah. It delivers the line with such a plum. To know, that, to know the swear word is one thing, but to also use pitiful, like pitiful is a 50 cent word. That's class. Uh, but my favourite line was delivered by Mr. Rhythm himself. After Albert's had a rough night, uh, he goes to some sort of ladies' night at a, a male strip club, and then as the strip club's closing, all of the cab drivers, they pull up their beaten-up cabs and they get on the the bonnets and the roofs and they start dancing, and this flock of very excited young women come out of the club and they pile into the cabs and all of the drivers drive away to some unknown place where I presume they have some sort of crazy sex orgy like the, the it's sort of the, that celebration of these cab drivers like the idea of how valuable they are or how desirable they are at that moment in the movie sort of syncs up perfectly with albert's understanding or estimation of them is like cab driving is this holy grail of professionalism or you know it's sort of it's not really tethered to reality but as everyone leaves no one's got room in their car for him because he doesn't have his own car and he's this new fish uh he sort of he finds Mr. Rhythm later that night, and he says, uh, "You got any advice for me?" And the character he plays, Mr. Rhythm, says, uh, "Mr. Rhythm, say, if you can go through the night till dawn without committing suicide, then you okay." <laughs> and uh, it was just so like, I don't know, it came, it really floored me. It came out of nowhere like a freight train, but I thought it really got a big rise out of me at the time. But it's that awesome. That's what this movie does so well is that there's all these little, for as goofy and funny and comedic as this film is, either intentionally or not, there's all these beautiful bits of social commentary which permeate through and are like, fuck, that is dead on. That is right on, Joel Schumacher. Well done, you. And that's definitely one of them, of just yeah. serving this this homeless dude as being this fountain of wisdom while he's this Absolutely. incredibly downtrodden man. Um 
So there's like a couple of big events that happen that drive the plot of this film. So yeah, we we open with Albert being introduced to the cabs. We fuck around with them for a bit. Then there is <laughs> a violin. This is not a compelling storyline, but a, a, basically they never say this, but they make it out to be a Stradivarius, really. An incredibly valuable violin gets left in a cab and it's worth half a million dollars and they assume whoever will find it will get a big cash reward and so everyone goes nuts um trying to track it down and it turns out that the homeless guy mr rhythm has had it and been playing it like a ukulele for a bit which i can't can't imagine is doing um good things for the instrument itself but they figure it out they manage to get it back to its owner and um a ten thousand dollar reward is is offered up and this kicks off a whole bunch of events where um so the guy who's running the hack department which regulates and governs all the cabs in the city he goes albert will uh no what's his name um the guy who owns the cab company harold will get all of the money because he owns all the cabs and they're kind of okay with this because harold's their boss they respect him and they expect he'll he'll probably do something fair with it and then harold's like okay here's what we're gonna do everyone's going to get a slice of the pie but just so you know this business is about to like cease operation because we have a real lack of money so just putting it out there if you would like to give it back to me your share you will be an investor in this company and everyone sort of dwells on this and are trying to figure out what to do and in the ensuing um days his wife takes all of the money and their house and leaves him and uh it's then revealed that she's been sleeping with his foil for the film the antagonist who is the head of the hack department the sort of dean of this animal house and um that's one of the the couple of times we get to see him pull out his flamethrower which is awesome um and then the other separate like big plot event is yeah the young buck albert who this movie's kind of about gets kidnapped alongside these two school kids who is it who's driving them to the um to the embassy every day oh sorry to the school where all the diplomats kids go i can't remember is, is it, it tyrone it, it, uh one it, it doesn't matter but it's one of them it's it was slightly confusing like the kidnapping did kind of I mean I understand what they were doing but it like when you when you, when I hear all this information presented back I'm like yeah that was in the movie there's just just enough going on that you could like you never challenged you can follow it all but it doesn't all quite add up um yeah but it's fine it's all fine and not, nothing's reinventing the plot wheel is it it's like oh, the violin no. thing's pretty pretty played out but it's, Honestly, it's all good I mean there's enough people having fun the biggest compliment I can give this movie is it has done nothing to diminish the value of my day oh uh, high praise i i like i honestly you know i feel like i might have watched that movie anyway because you know uh, obviously Shit, I'm, yeah. I'm in the i'm in the throes of the fest right now like, it's the sort of thing you just put on and watch during the day anyway just to while away an hour and 40 minutes absolutely uh, and i'm so happy for that to have been my movie watching experience instead of what i know it will be time and time again while i'm here which is uh, uh sex in the city I do have to pick a bone with something you said earlier, though, Guy, that the the kids who get kidnapped um, from the school are bad actors. R- wrong. You couldn't be more wrong. I reckon they were fantastically cast and their performances were A+, because their whole deal, and I think they served as in a, an ocean of comedic performances. I think they were some of the strongest performers, because... Um, 
Albert's really scared. He's this, you know, wet behind the ears southerner who's come into to Washington DC and doesn't know what for. And then his kids are like, Oh, is this your first kidnapping? He's like, Yeah. <laughs> oh no, they say, Have you never been kidnapped before? He's like, Yeah. And they're like, Oh, don't worry, this is our third time. <laughs> You're gonna be fine. And they're six. They're both like six years old, and they're these jaded um you know, uh, kids of these rich diplomats who have gone through the rigor so much, and they're ju- and they're just like throwing out these sensational insults at the kidnappers, and they don't give a fuck. Yeah, it is uh, the when they when he when Albert gets out of his ropes and blindfold and to reveal that the kids have already done it because they're so <laughs> yeah. experienced. <It's, laughs> and they that just, is they applaud him. They clap. They're like, "Yay, you did it!" <laughs> Yeah, that, that, Fuck, is that quite cracked a... me up. That that um that was a laugh out loud moment for me. It is a good bit of fun. Uh yeah, look, I think it's it's just it was just a pleasant morning. Like it was a nice thing to do. I feel like I feel relaxed. I feel like yeah. it's part of a day off. And well, let uh, me, I gotta ask you is, some questions you, though. Please it feels like you're just you're you're floating at this point. Um so this film was obviously it came out in 1983. There's there's a lot of pretty fucking outdated uh, lingo, dialogue, references, um, attitudes. What? How do you sort of reconcile all of that sort of stuff, Monty? Seeing a film like that, there's you know casual mentions of the N word, um, particularly by Gary Busey, that seem to really yeah. smack you across the face when you're watching it in 2019. But what what do you make of all that? Uh there's nothing to be done about it. It's just the movie we watched, you know. Like Gary Busey's character, certainly. Well, I guess we can just call him Gary Busey. Uh, I, I'd get pretty un, un, uneasy or nervous whenever he'd start talking for longer than a couple of sentences. <laughs> um, but I was like, "Well, what are you going to do? Gary Busey's going to Gary Buse." Uh, I. It's 1983 as well. It's sort of, it's, you know, these things are products hard, of their time, aren't they? Yeah, measuring measuring old movies from different eras against modern standards is always a, a challenge. Like it definitely jarred, you know. Like it definitely, uh, you notice it. Like obviously enough to to talk about it, but uh, I was sort of just like it, the the whole movie felt so low stakes to me. I was sort of just like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Just keep keep presenting this information to me, and yeah. I'll keep plotting through the film. Like it was, it was, yeah. What did you think? Did it? Did it yeah. do anything to you? Look, I, I um, uh, don't want to introduce sort of personal politics to what is a, a fun and very stupid movie review podcast. But like, I do, I, I do find it interesting that there's some attempts to um, kind of remove and ban um, references to stuff from old works like this like old old bits of art and literature and film and music where it's just like i don't know it's they're just they were products of their time that's that's how people used to thought and i think we we should be able to be exposed to those ideas now and go that's dumb and we don't do it but surely people are not coming for dc cabs no i don't think 1983 comedy action hit no i don't I don't think so. But that, that overarching umbrella just feeds into what I think about this, which is like, yeah, this movie came out in 1983. <laughs> like, that's, that's pretty much my attitude, start and stop. Yeah, um, it definitely came out in 1983, and I will fight anyone who says otherwise. <laughs> uh, did, had you heard of Irene Cara before? Uh, no, but she is a, uh, a genuine pop star, so that was probably quite a big get for the movie. 
I imagine so. They do. They wear it like that's the case. Like it was a very big deal that she was there. She she pops up in the film, and this is at a point where Tyrone has fucking bailed on the cab company. Everyone else decided to stick it out, but Tyrone left. What? I can't remember exactly what happened when he left. I like just watched this because he didn't get the money out, did he? From the violin shareholder payout, or did he? What do you mean? Well, like he left the cab company, but yeah, and then he started hawking like Americana merchandise on the street. Yeah, dressed as uh, sort of Uncle Sam, but I don't think he got the money from like the violin like earnings. Did he? He didn't get his share out and then leave. No, well, no, no one got their share. Yeah. Fuck, I don't know. That's that's why Albert had to front his savings because all of the money that they'd anticipated was gone, and then somehow they stretched his six thousand and sixty dollars of savings into like a fully brand new fleet of cars, jackets, licenses. Like, well, they ha- ha- they had the ten grand as well from the violin money, so they had like sixteen grand to to revamp everything. And in nineteen eighty three, guy, that was the, about a billion dollars. How much of the money did his his wife Myrna take? Oh fuck yeah, I don't know. They don't see. They I, th- don't I thought what happened is that they'd all thought it was going to be okay, and then Myrna takes all the money, and Albert comes and oh, saves the day. And he's like, true. "We're all going to bail out, but here's the situation: I got these savings. It's not quite ten grand. But now, if we work together." Myrna is a character in this film who is the um, the wife of the guy who owns the cab company, and she works there just like twenty four seven on sort of a reception type thing because they've got someone else doing dispatch, and. Um, the only time we really learn anything about her is Albert's studying for his exam with um, with Harold, who owns the cab company. And she comes home and she's like, there's no beers for me. You guys drank all the beers. You know I need to wa- uh, drink a beer and while I watch Johnny Carson so I can get to sleep. And there's a big to-do about that. And that's kind of it. Um, and I, 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 I know she was there to be presented as like a queen bitch you're supposed to hate, but I was like, I, I get where you're coming from. You're probably not drawing any money whatsoever out of your husband's shitly run cab company, and you're there, you know, 60 hours a oh, week, I'm sure. Absolutely. I, uh, you know, eventually they fill out her character to give other reasons to not like her, but initially I was like, everything that Myrna is saying is well within her rights as a partner in a relationship like yeah it's I just it. basic basic courtesies but again tim i Yo. bring you back to the point you made not five minutes ago this movie was made in 1983 <laughs> and if anyone comes into this apartment and tells me otherwise i will push them down an do empty you, elevator shaft speaking of that do you know what quite really stuck with me and i think this is a gary Busey one as well um oh fuck i can't remember how he gets into it but he says Ah, oh, woman. They've got 50% of the money and 100% of the pussy. <laughs> <laughs> it There's is a-, a few little things like that where it's just like, fucking hell, man. That's, that's funny. That's a funny line, you know? That is a, that is a funny line, I think. In, uh, in, even in 2019, I think that's a funny line. Because <laughs> it's, it's, it's factually accurate. <laughs> Uh, yeah, there's one guy who doesn't get fleshed out at all. Who just his whole thing is he keeps saying it's hard to be a man. <laughs> yeah, he'd be he'd be like an alt right dude, I think, these days if he was still around. Yeah, uh, he he's he's not given a lot to do. He's from he's Hispanic and he he dresses well and his whole shtick is uh, 
It's tough. Did you watch to the end, to the very, very end of the credits? When the Grim Reaper or the Merchant of yes. Death gets into the cab. I'm yeah. so glad to hear you say that because I'm just on the um, the cast page now to check up on who who people are. And it's got Timothy Carey as Death. And I was like, what the fuck? This isn't Bill and Ted. Death isn't in this. And I was like, oh, it's that guy at the end. He is Death. I just assumed that was, um, that was Schumacher himself putting himself in the film because there's no need for that scene to be there. No, it felt like a gag that they came up with in the writer's room and they're like, ah, oh, we'll just stick it at the end. Yeah. He jumps into Tyrone's cab. Tyrone's reading they a comic do, book the, or something. The credits do a fantastic job of keeping you engaged the whole way through, though, because it's like you almost feel like there's a little bit more story being bled out. Uh, you never get just the black screen with rolling text. It's always like moving images. And they're not yeah. bloopers. Like they're canon within the story of the film. It's uh, a technique that you don't see a lot of anymore, but I was like, okay, you've not got enough. me here. There's, um, by the way, the thing we missed out. So everything wraps up pretty neatly. So uh, old mate gets the money from the um, from Albert. Maybe he loses all the violin money to his wife, but he gets all the money that Albert's arrived with from his inheritance, six grand. Revamps the company. The company's got a brand new lease on life and is doing fabulously well. Then Albert gets kidnapped with the kids. Um, they eventually save him. Uh, and then the end is the the city of Washington, D.C. <laughs> throws a parade for this cab company, which is fucking dope yeah. and reminded me a lot of Ghostbusters. And I was like, yeah. what a cool 80s thing in film they used to do, which they should bring back, which maybe will be in the next Avengers, where you just get a, a nice parade at the end. Yeah, the parade. I don't know. I was like, okay. <laughs> they kind of got themselves out of a jam they created, but sure, we'll we'll have a parade. Um, look, I think it was because they rescued or, those kids, especially when the yeah, cops the kids, seemed the very kids were fine. Help. The kids yeah. were like you said, the kids weren't worried. Anyway, I'm happy to have watched a movie. I've got nothing left to say about it. It was honestly <laughs> a fucking perfectly fine way to spend my morning, and for that, to my Patreon pals, I am grateful. Yeah, I feel like we owe you some money. So um, we're incredibly grateful that you throw us these bones every now and then and amongst doing like, you know, the brain verse and all the other shit, the the like half-baked animated films that never quite got finished that you throw at us. I really do appreciate you mixing it up with just some Gary Busey nonsense and Mr. T star vehicles. Um, that are perfectly fine and enjoyable to watch. So I would recommend DC cabs. Um, you know, put your earmuffs on for the huffing and the cussing. There's, there's a bit of, a bit of um, 1983 bled into the film, but it's fun and it's not very long and I'm so grateful for it. Guy, um, how cool is it that we got to watch that today? I wish you a great rest of the day. Hey, same to you, my friend. And thanks to all of you for listening and being a part of the Patreon. I hope you're having a good life. Love you guys. Bye-bye, Patreon pals. Bye. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skidt af alle de der podcasts, der forklarer mig nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lytte til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmakle.